everybody. Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 400. We recorded on May 18th, 2016. I'm Ryan Shrout. I'm a shocked Jeremy Holstrom. I'm a constipated Josh Walrath. And I'm Alan Amantano. Believe this is our 400th time doing this, and we still have to 400 shows. Same, he still hasn't been able to squeeze it out. Same, same shenanigans, crap. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, if you remember last week, I believe we um, were trying to think of all the really cool things we can do to celebrate the 400th episode of the podcast. We came up empty, and we came up with nothing. <laughs> Literally. I thought raises across the board was a nice thing, but, yeah, but it, that that went over like a lead balloon. Yeah, that's not really celebrating for the audience, though, right? Like it's it, that's I'd for everybody buy them else. A beer. Yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, we were going to um, have something to do with a three D printer. Like you, we would pick somebody, and they would be able to to request that we print anything that they can find uh, a, a printable file for on the internet and then we would sign it and send it to him. But we knew it would only end up with autographed penises going out to Ron. Jeremy's got a 3d yeah. printed. Uh, yeah, it's anatomically <laughs> correct. All right. So Is the printer big enough for that. Yeah, I don't know if our printer has that much Z height. Uh, what we decided to do instead was basically nothing and have a podcast like normal. Yeah. Uh, and it's normal about computer hardware. Well, I mean, normal for us, not for normal people. Yeah, I guess is the thing there. Um, so uh, welcome to the show. Hopefully this isn't your first episode because that'll be a shame. Uh, PCPer.com slash podcast. That is a URL you go to find all the back episodes. You can find ways to subscribe to the show if you want to make sure this shows up in your iTunes or on your, your phone or your pod catcher, whatever it is. What's your, what's your concern? I don't have your laptop. You don't have Are my you're laptop. You're running that application. Oh, here we go. I'll, I'll fix it. Present um, the desktop. So... Uh, I already, uh, uh, I already have it running. Hmm, I see. Do you see it? You already screwed no. up, didn't you? Oh. IP change. Uh, one seven nine. The uh, anyway, so that's a URL to go to, and then at that URL you can subscribe to things, I guess. Um, and uh, you don't want to miss riveting, uh, high production quality entertainment like this on a weekly, on a weekly basis. Yep. Um, now we do record the show. Because that's the only way you can get it is if we record it. But we actually broadcast the recording as well live on the interwebs. And that is uh, at uh, PCPro.com slash live. If you uh, go to PCPro.com slash subscribe, you can get a, um, a small little form. Uh, I can describe it to you very easily. It is uh, – let me see. I'll restart this on this side too. You can uh, ask for your name and your email address, and all we do is send you notifications about when we're going to do interesting, cool little things. Um, like uh, uh, we did – oh, we did a GTX 1080 live stream. We did. With Tom Peterson yesterday. Yep. And we gave away two GeForce GTX 1080s. And if you missed out on it, that makes you a sucker. Um, Those have been given away. Yeah, I know. They, they, yeah, they've been given away now. You, we're not going to give you more of them, but I'm right. just saying you missed yeah, out well, because you weren't on Thank goodness for Gmail and, uh, you know, <clears throat> P.O. boxes in Laramie, Wyoming. <laughs> who was the, ship uh, anything to Laramie? Who was the person that you said won, Josh? Um, uh, Jake Waldrip. <laughs> Waldrip. In, in Laramie, Wyoming. Yeah, yeah Laramie. Yeah. So do you have our computer? We have, we have this machine now? Look at that. All right. And we, st- we got audio on it and everything. Man. Awesome. Riveting. Um, oh. You don't need to see that one. There you go. 
You kind of know our IP now. No, oh, no. They can it's coming from inside the network. There's, <laughs> there's the form. Fill it out. Get in. He knows my 127.0.0.1 address. Oh, no. No, I can think of no better time to uh, support our podcast than on its 400th episode. Yeah. Right? Right? You should pay you say, $400. If you want to say, damn. Those people have done this for 400 episodes. Yeah. They're probably really tired. Yeah. yeah. And the answer is <laughs> yes. The answer is yes. Uh, Especially so, after a week slash weekend of uh, 1080 testing. Yeah, it took a lot out of me. I'm not going to lie. Uh, if you go to patreon.com slash PCPer, you get this page here. And it is, uh, your, it is a place for you to uh, give back to us in any you know, denomination you see fit. These are, are reoccurring monthly contributions to us they go directly to us and creating new content and make sure we can still do the things that we do that we can still have people like ken around to hit the buttons in the background or something i guess like that um we're still man i really want to do this uh mailbag, mailbag? show but apparently nobody else wants us to but i also have the but other you know thing. if you if you change the spelling yeah. to m-a-l-e <laughs> bag maybe we'll get some more interest uh yeah. okay so you know, this is this is uh, hey, we like we like what you're doing. We want to see more stuff. Uh, we had a couple of uh, new contributions come in after the Tom Peterson live stream that we did, which was which was good. Yeah, uh, it is our 400th episode. So you know, if you feel like celebrating in some way, here's here's a way to do it. And we greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate all the support that we get from you guys. And as is the case every week, if you are a new subscriber or you increase your uh, uh, contribution through Patreon. We will uh, read your name off on the live stream, however you uh, have it on there, as long as it is not, like, super explicit. But if it's silly and dumb and, and funny... If it's suggestive, it's If it's suggestive, right. that's totally fine. Double right? entendre, totally check. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, but, uh, so, let's see. Oh, we actually... You just okay. got one? <laughs> we got one full to dream pledged $4 in celebration of oh. our 400th episode. 4.00. 4.00. We appreciate it. Thank awesome. you very much, sir. Uh, Maybe oh, they were listening to the fourth episode and then decided to hear it's, decided it's to been a while. Well, yeah. then I expect every time they listen to an episode, it would actually increase a little Sweet. Um, as it goes. So mm-hmm. that would be, that would, yeah, that would be fantastic. I'd have no problem with that. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let's talk about crap from this week. And obviously, uh, the big There's no top- crap to talk about whatsoever. Okay. Nothing happens. You're right. You're right. None, nothing we're going to talk about is crap. It's all good hardware. That's the review of the GTX 1080. Uh, so now we're going to talk good. about the ARM 10 nanometer uh, <laughs> uh, test chip. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, um, yeah. So I guess we, we should talk a little bit yeah. about this. We've talked about the GTX 1080 like every week for like uh, three months, it seems like. Basically. Um, it finally was released in terms of reviews. Yep. I imagine we'll have to talk about the 1080 again when it actually goes on sale because we'll talk about what it, what the availability was like and what the prices actually showed up as. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, here it is. We've got the review of the GeForce GTX 1080 8GB Founders Edition graphics card. It's GP104-based GPU. GTX 1080 uh, is the model number. Um, not everybody will get a cool triangle with it, though, which I, I do think is a little bit disappointing. Um, those triangles are made out of metal. And if you threw them at somebody, oh, you'd hurt. That's somebody. exactly what I was thinking. You could kill somebody. They're pretty thick. They're like laser cut. Yeah, yeah. Like that's that's plasma cut. And I've got two of them. Water cut. So I can dual wield with that. How did uh, you get two? Uh, well, uh, one was like the super secret build up to the event. Yeah, and, and then, then they, they sent one with Tom with. Right, and <laughs> yes, 
And uh, uh, the other one, I guess, actually came with the review sample of the of the product. I see. Too. So we have a video review up. We have a text review up. Uh, a lot of detail goes into this. For those of you, a uh, quick recap on specs and the GTX 1080. It is essentially the same architecture as Maxwell, uh, with a couple of key changes we'll mention. But in terms of performance per clock, it's identical to Maxwell. Yep. Uh, the difference is, if you compare the 1080 to the 980, you have 25% more CUDA cores at 42% higher clock speeds. So that's a lot of performance difference. Yep. Right? So... 2,560 CUDA cores compared to 2,048 on the GTX 980. 1,600 megahertz base clock versus 1,126. Uh, typical boost on this card is rated at 1,733, and I was able to overclock it to over 2 gigahertz without effort, right? With, yep. You know, dragging some sliders around on Precision X, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, this, this card is screaming fast, uh, and it's, it's, it's pretty impressive, actually. The uh, 8 gigs of memory, it's GDDR5X. 256-bit memory interface, 320 gigabytes per second. That's um, you know significant boost over what you had on the 980. It's actually less than you get on the 980Ti or the uh, Titan X, mm-hmm. but additional memory compression uh, on this chip gets you more higher effective bandwidth anyway, so you're, you're still doing good there. 180-watt TDP, uh, one single 8-pin connector, 7.2 billion transistors, 16-nanometer process technology from TSMC, uh, and it is their. It is the first kind of consumer 16 nanometer GPU that we've seen. Um, and then we'll we've talked. To, I don't really want to talk about this anymore. The, the founders edition versus <laughs> other edition price. Did we talk about that in the last podcast? I think we yeah. did. Yeah, we did. Um, because that information was was around then. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Limited availability because they can. Well. I don't think they're really going to hold it back on. They're purpose. not worried about. They're not. Yeah, they're but, not going to hold back. No, on the founders edition specifically. No, I, I still think that they're like they want to yeah. sell as many as they can of that. The the, the financial picture, I, I don't really don't want to get into it because we could have an entire thirty minute yeah. segment on on the idea of a founders edition. I understand some people don't like it. If you read our article and and it goes into some detail about why they did it, uh, you know, I've heard from several system uh, a couple of system builders, system vendors talking about the benefits they have to having something like Founders Edition for the long term, something that they can qualify once and stick with um, okay. is, is, is kind of a big push for them. Um, and they wanted you know something that was kind of built, designed by NVIDIA. They get it early, they get it quality early, and sure. they can stick with it. Previously, NVIDIA would drop their reference designs um, relatively soon into the cycle. And of rely the on the other so, And rely on the other to... boards. So. Okay. Um, <laughs> but that's the card. It's still pretty looking, I think. Um, the architecture itself, here's a block diagram. You can count on 2,560 cores if you want to. I'm not going to. Um, just just think back of the <clears throat> G4 6800 GTX and its 16 shader pipelines. I mean, that's... And then compare, compare to that. It's close. It's close. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, so close. So I, I say the architecture didn't change much, uh, and I mean that from a, like throughput efficiency point of view. They did a lot of work on the on the on the chip itself, right? So it's the first 16 nanometer part. And you can see here this is actual, you know, Tom when we was here talked this is the actual data. When they were first doing their simulations of Pascal, um, they were estimating a 1325 megahertz boost clock. And that was just like the simple transition to 16 nanometer before yes, they optimized. Essentially, right? right. And then through path optimization, which is essentially um, the places where data can flow yep. through uh, tweaked so that every 
it, every location where there was a bottleneck, they figured out a way to remove that bottleneck mm-hmm. or to remove. Well, it's, it's more like length. Yeah, it's path length optimization. Yeah, okay. because if the, you only have so many milliseconds at a clock speed for that signal to propagate from one one place to another end of the wire to the other. Yeah, and uh, if if that's too long, then the signal is not going to propagate, and you're going to get errors, and it's going to it's going to drop out. And so that's what you know critical path kind of means is right. that. Through design, they they shorten those critical paths so that when you have X amount of millisecond or uh, nanoseconds or whatever, yep, uh, it can propagate that signal in, in in one clock rather than you know being really skewed out of there or, or not even present. The 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 work that they put into it is what allowed them to go from thirteen twenty five to a shipping product at seventeen thirty three. Right, this so that, would have been very boring at thirteen twenty five. Yeah, it would have been. Right, <laughs> oh, it would yeah. have been a much less exciting part because you're essentially looking at a boost clock matching Maxwell. Well, just been the shader increase. It would just been the shader increase, right? Um, and so we get a lot out of it for that. So they 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 deserve a lot uh, of applause for that. They also the only new part to the architecture is something called a simultaneous multi simultaneous multi projection block. And this is, um, long story short, a way of uh, increasing throughput of geometry if you do multiple projections into a 3D world, which in previous uh, uh, solutions with previous architectures, you would have to do one pass of through all the geometry processing for each projection you wanted to have in the game. Yeah. So you would, you're basically getting a third of the, of the work with this process involved. Now, it is something that needs to be implemented at the game engine level uh, by the developer, um, and then we'll, we'll talk about a couple of implementation, implementations or implementations of that technology uh, a little bit later. GDDR5X we've talked about. A lot of this, a lot of this stuff we've talked about already. It does have better uh, memory compression, which helps improve um, uh, uh, kind of effective How much of the scene memory bandwidth it has. Yeah. That right? compress the car away. They comp- it's not a car anymore. Well, it's just paint. That, that- I don't like compression. <laughs> it's, it's, lo- it's lossless. It's lossless. Oh, yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't actually look at the pink slides, but um, it, it's lossless compression. <laughs> that, game, that game sucks now. <laughs> this game is awful. I mean, of course it's easy to compress. It's pink and black. Yeah. It, it's fuchsia. Before at least you can make out the car. There's way yeah. less shading work that has to be done to get this. <laughs> it's just a harder difficulty way. level. No yeah. wonder it goes so fast. Um, so uh, let's talk about uh, asynchronous compute real quick. Sure. Because do we have to? Uh, yeah, we do. Does this okay. do it? Uh, sure. It's supposed to do it. Sure. Okay. So it, it's an it's a really interesting uh, discussion to have because nobody wants to talk about it at Nvidia specifically. They talk about it at the Editor's Day. It's in hardware. They've added uh, support for uh, what did they ask? Add support for specifically dynamic load balancing and uh, pixel level preemption. Okay. That did not exist before in Maxwell. These are new technologies. They're improved. And they're basically techniques that will improve asynchronous compute workloads on a GPU. So is this something where the developer of a game has to implement it or it just it's handled? Like how uh, that... The developer of the game has to implement it. A okay. developer of the game has to understand their workload enough to say these things can happen independently. Okay. Right? So it's, it's, it's kind of like a multi-threading uh, type of thing. You right? need some foresight on how you code your engine. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, like, you may have an asynchronous shader that does shadow pass filtering because you know that um, it's it's not ever going to – it's not a, a super intense compute-heavy thing. So, it's okay if it's running in parallel. You don't have to worry about it being late and causing later frame delays. Or if it is, how do you manage that? Yeah. Um, so, th- there's things you can do with asynchronous shaders. You know, Ashes with Singularity use it. Hitman has some async shaders in it. Uh, and so does – 
Rise of the Tomb Raider has a little bit in there as well. I'm not sure. Um, so th- they've implemented these technologies for uh, asynchronous compute. Now, I'm kind of going to leave it at that in terms of talk of technology because all I ever still see today, like 20 minutes before we were recording this, is, um, well, NVIDIA clearly doesn't have true async compute in Pascal because they don't say that. Um, and the truth is that implementing support for asynchronous compute is different than implementing support for like DisplayPort 1.4. Yep. There's not a static checklist of you do that, you do that, you do that. Asynchronous compute is a uh, concept. It's like, a, yeah, it's a compute concept. It is an idea, right? And you can implement support for it in different ways, yep. right? Like the, the, the shaders of a CUDA core and the stream processors of a, uh, a Radeon GCN design get to the same end result, yep. but they do it in different ways, yep. right? They're, they're not identical functional blocks. Um, yeah, and it that- seems like, you know, AMD has their ACE, the asynchronous compute engines <clears throat> that, from what I understand, kind of exist in a stateless state in that whether it's pixel data, shader data, well, um, uh, you know, kind of a, a OpenGL, OpenCL, right. and, and, and that kind of workload, that information is, is fed into these engines. And it can then just put out the work to each one, you know, to to to, to whatever instruction. And as, as far as the 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 shader cores and and that are, are concerned, it's just work. Right. It doesn't have to go through anything kind of crazy. Like, uh, say, you're running an x86 processor, and you've got you know a, a 32-bit instruction going in, and then you've got um, you know an x87. It, it changes. The state of of I guess you know the the way the instructions are fed, and so there's a penalty in performance of of doing that. And I I'm probably explaining this really really horribly, and that's what the problem with with Maxwell is. You could throw these Open CL and GPGPU type workloads during a game, but you're going to have a penalty because it has to kind of change the state of of um, how it transmits the instructions and data. To the shader cores, but yeah. with the way that they've got the, the uh, was it called presumption? Not presumption, preemption. but preemption is that it, it it can change states really really quickly and insert that workload in and go back to the original state, whether it's you know pixel shading or right. or OpenCL or GPGPU. Yeah, and so AMD does it in a different way. That it is probably a little less workload heavy for the developers, but you still have to, you know, kind of code that information in there to to make these these changes and, and to feed that data and instructions in there. But uh, it seems like NVIDIA is getting there. I They've mean, got, it, what's it, that? I was going to say, like, it would appear to me, understanding what I know about NVIDIA's implementation in Pascal and what they have in GCN too, from AMD is AMD's implementation looks more, uh, what was the term I used before? Like elegant. It is a more elegant implementation of uh, multiple kernels kind of flowing through a system. Sure. NVIDIA's does it. it. It may be a more brute force way, uh, but they've implemented things to address part that partly, if nothing else, in, in, uh, in Pascal. And I think at the end of the day, people get so hung up on 
this term asynchronous this compute, particular technology and it's, and it's absolutely on purpose by amd right like they they see an advantage and they're pushing it um but at the end of the day it really comes down to what does it perform like yeah. what is the experience of playing the game right and uh, right now doing a b testing for async compute on off is pretty difficult as i'm finding uh as i've tried to do a couple of different times um but at, at the end of the day, we'll show benchmarks. Hitman 2016 apparently uses asynchronous compute for a couple of different... Um, uh, 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 like features. Features, right? Yeah. For a couple of different effects. And guess what? The GTX 1080 does amazingly well on that. It's not like suddenly, the, because of that, the Fury X is near performance levels of the 1080, right? It didn't right. happen. Um, so people will still continue to debate. I imagine uh, that there will be 100 comments in the next five days on my website mentioning async compute and blah, 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 for whatever reason. Yep. Yeah, and, we passed that on Monday. <laughs> right. So I don't know what else to say because NVIDIA is not kind of ha- – doesn't have a final answer for it yet. I think they're just being very careful about how they answer things. Um, well, it's a, it's a but they're not afraid pretty to- major design change to, to throw in the, the asynchronous compute engines like, like AMD does. I mean they plan that – for a long time ahead and said, hey, this is a good idea that, that we can change workloads really, really quick. We're going to put this stuff in NVIDIA's like, yeah, we're going to concentrate on other things and not do that in. But, you know, we've got to redesign our front end to be able to get these, you know, asynchronous compute units in. And we've got this, you know, we had this design going for the last three years and only in the year and a half have we kind of have heard, hey, async is, is something that's fairly important. So, we can make some changes to get this in. It's it's kind of almost like, you know, AMD. I'm I'm being really overly dramatic here. Is is like the ACE is is a maestro out front and and doing the orchestra and doing that. And Nvidia's got you know a guy like Buster Keaton doing things right at the last minute and doing some amazing things to to get the workloads going in. Uh, you've seen Buster Keaton on on the front of the train with the um, yeah. the post. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like that. I mean, it's. It's probably a bad, you know, analogy, but <laughs> no, I like it. I'm going to steal it at some point. That's what what they're doing is right. is they're getting the work there on time, and then they're doing it just right. But it it is kind of a, a brute force way that has an interesting appeal to it. Of I'm trying to think of, of a of an analogy back to something where this has been reversed, where AMD was had a, a feature point where they were behind Nvidia. But like they had a performance advantage, right? Like they had some some like AMD had a performance yeah, like advantage. like I, I I'm blanking on it, but there's an instance. Well, kind of like multi sampling AA and uh, what is it uh, the uh, in the HD twenty nine hundred XT? What is it? not not color compression, but know. the uh, color resolve. Okay, that they uh, you know Nvidia had fixed function hardware that did that efficiently, and so AA problems were non-existent, but once you turned AA on on the HD 2900 XT, it had to do this kind of strange shader compute base color resolve uh, with MSAA that just destroyed performance. Yeah. Is that a good analogy? Yeah, I I mean, the idea here is even though you have a feature advantage it doesn't necessarily equate to a performance advantage. That, that's something I was wondering. Like, as long as async compute has been around on the AMD side, have we seen like an example of a game or something where you can turn sure. it on and off? Like, no, I mean, have we seen that? Have we seen? Have they come out and said, "Hey, here's this game. Here's how much a percent gain we get with async compute 
enabled. Developers have kind of said that it's on the order of five to seven, eight percent, something like that. Okay, if, so that's, that's if if you it can implement it perfectly. Okay, right. Um, so that's potentially like it's noticeable then. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, now that AMD and NVIDIA are doing it, it's worth trying to program for. Up until this point, it's been well. You know, there's going to be a very small percentage of people getting a very small percent improvement, and we're spending a shitload of time redoing the engine for it, so why bother? Right. Now, DX12 makes it a little bit easier from what I understand, and the fact that both NVIDIA and AMD are supporting it now, hey, we'll see it. It'll probably just, be on by default in no time. I, I hate... <laughs> I'm gonna point. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna mention one specific comment that I just saw scroll by and say <laughs> that it aggravates me because it's just a, a fundamentally false statement. Somebody says Nvidia chose GameWorks over asynchronous compute. That, that, that has nothing to do. It with. doesn't. It doesn't make sense, right? One is a software platform that they are trying to push, yeah. And one is a hardware implementation design. Yep. Right. And and they're not. Like the, you could, you know, it's, it's like saying China chose to stock their battleships with a dozen lemons. Maybe they're trying to argue that they put their manpower effort into developing. The manpower that develops GameWorks is is completely different. independent than the manpower that in, that would involve uh, implementing yeah, the hardware more advanced their... asynchronous compute yep. technology. And besides, you want a synchronous beard, not an asynchronous beard. Correct. You don't want the hair just coming in out of order. That's just. Gonna... <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's async compute. We'll have. I'm I'm trying to get this will never happen. I'm trying to get somebody from AMD that is wants to talk about this do an interview, and then get a person from Nvidia that wants to talk about this to do an interview. I'm almost 100 percent sure that this will never happen, but that is the goal that I am pursuing. So okay. um, we'll we'll figure it out as it goes. Uh, simultaneous multi projection. I mentioned that before. What is it good for? Uh, if you really want detail on this, go to our YouTube channel or go into our review and go to the SMP page. And I embedded a video uh, that is a segment of the interview that we did with Tom Peterson, where he details what simultaneous multi-projection is and what it's good for. It's good for two things initially out the gate. Um, fixing the, the fisheye bullcrap on your NVIDIA surround multi-monitor yeah, setup. Yeah, the stretching effect on the, the side Stretching effect on the sides, on the edges. Yep. Uh, and the other thing it's good for is uh, VR. Right, so the 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 multi monitor thing is where instead of having one projection with this kind of very wide field of view, yeah, like a one flat one, yeah, yep, you're gonna have you can have three separate projections, one for each display, yep, right, and they could be flat or you could curve them in. They'll have a the capability to um, uh, configure a, a line, uh, calibrate how much angle you're tilting. Yeah, so yeah. they'll even be the picture will even be angle perfect to how your monitors yeah. are set. You'll up. be able to tell the driver. Like just through the driver control panel, right? Um, and uh, the cool part, the really cool part, I think about this is that it doesn't add any penalty. Like it's free, right? It is free from a performance standpoint. Yeah, it, it doesn't, it doesn't impact not, them. There's not an extra overhead because you're doing it. Anything. It's it's basically what that boils down to is just how many pixels are you rendering? And Correct. That, that's that's the, the same, same, right? It's, it's the, the same number of pixels yeah. you're rendering. Because um, you could you could do multi projection before today yeah. but you're rendering it three times like yep. you're doing all your geometry and setup and os work three times the the magic of smp is that it only does it one time yep. and there's hardware in pascal that manages that through three different projections all the way through the pipeline and this is awesome even especially for like a driving game if you wanted to have true side views like if you had a hotkey or button on your something where you could like look out the right window right right where previously like 
Head tracking. You know, if you wanted that on its head own tracking, display, man. yeah, either that or the head tracking. But if you wanted that like on its own display, uh, it would have to have been another complete right. scene render to get that right. on the other panel, right? So that I'm looking forward to seeing implementation of that. It requires uh, a game level implementation. It's not just a driver level thing. They can't just fix it in a driver. It ha- the game has to be aware of it and has to be built for it. So, yep. well. I'm told but that will be around pretty soon for like our first game that we'll take advantage of. Yeah, we were told it's not a lot of work. To well, add. they're never going to tell me it's going to. They're never going to tell us. Oh, it's really hard to do, but we can get it work. So I mean, no, I mean he said it, this about this. He said it was like was like 20 lines of code or 40 lines of code or something. Yeah, we'll see. I'll ask some developers once we actually get it involved. But in theory, yeah. it shouldn't be a lot of work, and I hope that's the case because I want more games to implement uh, support yeah. for it. Um, for, so for the VR side. Um, Multi-projection allows you to do two interesting things. So one is called single-pass stereo. So like we just talked about multiple projections on a triple monitor setup Mm -hmm. where you only have to do the geometry processing once, the setup and geometry processing once. Yep, from a single point going out. With single-pass stereo, you're you're rendering your left eye and your right eye, but you're only doing the OS and uh, OS scheduling and geometry work one time. Yep. So you are fundamentally lessening the amount of geometry work you have to set up to do... uh, uh, Left eye, right eye. You mm-hmm. still have to render render the pixels on both eyes. Yes. But in terms of geometry setup and geometry processing, and you know, like anything that does uh, uh, geometry based lighting effects, mm-hmm. will only have to be done one time. Big improvement there in terms of performance. And um, they also add a tech called lens matched shading, which basically means instead of rendering a perfect square of uh, of your left eye and your right eye, mm-hmm. and then using the techniques uh, that the um, the runtime. Uh, what's it? What is? It does a filter. Yeah, the runtime runs a filter yeah. that kind of matches it um, from a uh, geometry standpoint, like a, a physical shape standpoint, so that it matches the inverse of the lens, so that when the image goes through the lens, it comes out in your eye and not distort. Correct. Yeah. Right. And it has it has to distort when it's drawing. There you go. So that the lens distorts it the opposite way. Distorts it. But yeah. And, yeah. And, and it looks at that way. So the problem is, is you're rendering a lot of pixels you don't need because they're they're smashed and smushed or just removed completely in the yep. distortion uh, portion of it. Lens match shading means that you can actually render less pixels and kind of render closer to the shape of the, uh, distortion. the lens itself of the distortion yeah. of the on the lens itself. And they're claiming you can go from re- rendering 2.4. No, I'm sorry, go from 2.1 megapixels down to 1.4 megapixels per eye of actual work that needs to be done. So yep. that's a significant drop, right? Yeah, um, you're only really rendering what you need to render. So like more of what you need to render. If you remember when we talked about kind of some questions about, hey, is the Titan, they claimed GTX 1080 was two times the performance and three times as efficient as the Titan X for VR, mm-hmm. right? That is a combination of, you know, higher clocks, higher uh, shader counts, and then also a combination of these two technologies, um, the, the simultaneous multi-projection provides lessening your geometry work yep. and then lessening your pixel work. Yep. And all that combines into a pretty massive uh, performance increase. But again, everything that supports SMP has to be implemented uh, at the software level. The game engine has to know about it. The yep. runtime has to know about it. You know, Oculus or Steam VR. Yep. We actually did VR testing in this piece, but since it's not implemented anywhere, these features are not implemented right. anywhere. All we saw was the gain of just the, you know, pure horsepower increase right. of the GPU. I think we talked about SLI a little bit last week too, did we? Uh, they're only recommending two-way SLI on the GTX 1080. Yep. Um, you can download more though, right? You can. That's, you can. That's sign how up. it works. You can sign up pretty much. Uh, you sign up for an enthusiast key, 
uh, and then they give you a file that updates the firmware on your GPUs yes. and on your cards, and then yes. you can run three and four way SLI. You can, but you will still if have you've this, got an old bridge. But you will still have the same. Yeah. You'll still have the same disadvantages that you had before with that compared to the yes. new one. And that is that the new one is going double the bandwidth and can support higher resolution displays while doing SLI the, over the bridge. The new bridge right? is SLI HB bridges, high bandwidth. They're yeah. actually using both connectors, and they've increased the clock speed from 400 to 650 megahertz. So you have more than double the bandwidth between the two GPUs yep. um, uh, with the new SLI bridges. But those only support two GPUs. Um, yes, and because there's no way to connect more than two. You're using both of them. You're the, using both of the connectors. I mean, yeah. in theory, they could have built a new connector. They could have made, the you'd cards. have to multiplex it much more complicated. Well, I'm just saying like, you could have had a new connector on sure. the make, card itself. Like a double width connector. Right. Yeah, or, you know, you could, it could be anything. They could have done they, something, they could have done something yeah. else, but they, sure. they didn't do it. Um, and the, the, the benefit of the new connectors, you, as Alan said, you can support high resolutions, uh, 4K, 5K, and 4K surround, yeah. for example. So, I mean, part of this I had no idea of was that. If you just were higher than a specific, like, uh, pixel rate, I guess. If you ran SLI today with, say, 2980 Ti's and yeah. you were running 4K, yep. your, 4K 60. your frames were being transferred over the PCI Express bus. Right. Not the SLI connector. Right. So, like, you basically just weren't using the SLI connector. Yeah. It I was, take that back. Uh, if, you're, if you had an LED bridge, 4K did go over that. Right. But if, but you, if you had on, the old, on the old <laughs> floppy bridge. Yeah, if you had, like, a ribbon. Yeah, I'm all floppy bridge. Yeah, Josh knows yeah. about the floppiness. Yeah, yeah. so and, and Josh I, doesn't glow. And I had no idea with. that this was just like it was kind of a silent thing. Like you really didn't know unless you knew what the right. limit was, right? Yeah. And it would just and the the effect was that uh, you would just have increased like possible judder frame to frame because those so frames were trying to, and more latent. Yeah, you know, the it's, frames isn't are trying it to transfer. That essentially Nvidia had XDMA, and they didn't tell us about it. Well, because they had been telling us that the bridge is a better solution the whole time. Yeah, it is. But right? they could fall back so to XDMA. You, yeah, which they did, but they didn't want to come up and talk about it because it's like, right. oh, so you're saying the bridge is better, but we're not actually using it in those super high-end cases. Sure. Right? So this was their, their fix for that. As for the three- and four-way stuff, um, again, we have a really, really good discussion about it with Tom in yep. our video. I encourage you guys to watch that. He answers the questions pretty bluntly about why they are strong. They're not disabling three- and four-way completely. They're strongly discouraging it. Yeah. And they're discouraging it for, I think, a fairly um, – uh, for a reason you – know, From a consumer point of view, it is good that they discourage it because yes. the actual Gain. advantages yeah. and the experience that users get for paying that much more money for two and three is pretty crappy. Yep. And it's yep. only going to get worse – because of DirectX 12s and how it changes multi-GPU work uh, and and – it takes a lot of the control that NVIDIA has away uh, and puts it in the hand of developers. And developers who are struggling to get their games out on time, they're struggling to get the features they want. Multi-GPU is a hard thing for them to focus on, and it's a hard thing um, for them to focus on, especially if you're trying to convince them to do more than three GPU support. Yeah, because what, GPU it's support. less than 4% of the gaming population has multi-GPU, and of that number, a really insignificant group does three and four away. Yeah, right. Of which the vast majority of those are benchmarkers, basically. Which is the yeah. reason that they're going to add that support, it, or not support, but make it so you can turn it on for people that are right. trying to do the crazy high benchmark numbers or whatever. That's right. all they're going after, like world records and whatnot. Right, right. 
Arbiter in the chat says that he said three and four way would only work in DX12 in the multi adapter stuff. I'm not exactly sure. The three and four way will work in the exact same way that it works today on yeah. Maxwell. Yep. There you go. Right. So if a game supports it, or if they can implement it in software for like a 3D mark, like yeah. here's the thing: Nvidia doesn't want to lose the benchmark wars, right? The the overclocking competitions. They want to be the sure, they want to sure. be the 1080 in there. And if and if four Fury Xs could beat two or three 1080s, then overclockers would use AMD parts. And Nvidia doesn't want to give that up, so they're going yeah. to continue to allow that type of stuff. Um, but the same limits apply now that applied before in that case is where if you, if your display resolution was or your pixel rate was high enough going out to your panel mm-hmm. you might be going over PCI as opposed to going right. over the bridge yep yeah which for benchmarkers wouldn't really matter but it would affect your, your gaming experience sure. somewhat, so. yep. uh, I'm, I'm trying to run through this fast we've got a fast sync that's a thing uh, GPU boost 3.0 that's a thing uh, <laughs> overclocking on it is, is pretty cool you know you can now do per voltage point. That um, that is really stuff. cool. That looked kind of neat. Yeah, and, and even cooler is the automatic just the OC like, scanner that EVGA built into Precision. Yeah, where it kind of like it was crapping out on you though. Well, it, it did for me at first. It was buggy. It was a buggy build. Well, basically, it's amazing when you when you have Tom Pierce now. Suddenly you have new versions of Precision, <laughs> new drivers <laughs> that work sent to that you work better. Of, yeah, and things suddenly start to progress because it's like, hey, we're going to do this live. So if it screws up, it's on you. Um, Suddenly, suddenly things, suddenly things work. So that's that's cool. If you check those out in the review, um, performance wise, it's good. The the GTX 1080 is never less than 52 percent faster than the GTX 980, yep. and in several games is 2x the performance. Yep. Um, and this is a, a really good thing because I think if if we look back and say, you know what, I remember back in the good old days from Voodoo One to Voodoo Two, we had a massive amount of performance increase. We're just not really at those days anymore because if if you look in between, uh, you know, GTX, the the what the 280 GTX, well, no, it was GTX. I can't remember. I but anyway, the, the 280 that went to the 480 and 580 and the performance increases were really incremental as compared to what we saw in, in more of the early days of, of 3D graphics. The GeForce 256 to GeForce 2 was a big jump. GeForce right. 2 Ultra was really, really much faster than anything we had seen. Yep. But we're just not used to these kind of um, big jumps. jumps. I mean, yep. we, we and, and so when we see 58% faster than their previous that was in the same slot... We're like, uh, why is it not a hundred percent better? Why, why, why can't we get double? I am. I'm, yeah. What's wrong with these people? Well, well, they, they did that some of the time, actually. Yeah, so. it, it, it's a, it's a complex thing to get it all to work together, and uh, I mean they're pushing the limits, and you know we have improvements in 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 graphics, we have improvements in in the visual quality with what they do with games, and so you're not going to see these these basic 2x jumps from generation to generation that we saw in the early days of 3D. And so you kind of need to get away from that. Still, 58% at the lowest. That, I mean, I'm running triple screens here. And going from like a R9 290X to a 1080 would be a huge improvement in, in smoothness and quality with these three screen Probably. than you know yeah. pretty much anything else 
So get over yourselves. This is a oh, fantastic I'm sitting in the exact jump. same position. Yeah. I've got three screens in front of me, and uh, yeah, the, the 1080 looks amazing. I just wish it wouldn't be 1080 bucks Canadian when it finally comes out. <laughs> we'll see. It's going to hurt. Um, so I'm going to leave. Like We have uh, power discussion, sound testing, uh, pricing debates, VR testing. All that stuff is in the review. Go to PCPer.com PC and do that. We have some other stuff we want to get to in the podcast. And I don't like If you want to just listen to people talk about it, you've got uh, – if you go to the video, I have a – uh, or go to the review. I have a video version where I talk about it. Uh, what the heck was that? Uh, if we go to uh, the uh, oh, there we go. Um, the I guess the uh, oh, what? if you go to the YouTube channel, we have a uh, live stream. Uh, the, the stream we did with Tom, yeah. right? So if you want to listen to a three and a half hour discussion about this graphics card, uh, you can absolutely do that. Did we just die? Our camera just die? Something died. Uh, uh. Something died. There he goes. It's thinking about it. So, yeah, like I said here, we've got performance summaries are in here. We compared it to the 980 Ti and the 980. Uh, we compared it to the Fury X, two 980s and SLI. We talked about Ansel, which is their sc- screenshot thing. I don't know what you guys are saying. It's an electronic lens. The zoom reset. Uh, I know. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a bunch of info in there about it. So check that out, and we'll, uh, we'll kind of... Kind of move on to the next deal here, which is oh, you know what? It's Nvidia's Ansel. It's a screenshot utility, guys. Scott wrote up a very good story on this, but due to time restrictions, I'm going to limit it to Instagram say, for your a, screenshots. It's a, it's a screenshot utility. It has some kind of filters. It has a really high resolution. It has some camera-like focus effect stuff. The super and, super high res is the coolest part. Yep, for me. What, what was the number? Uh, two. 4.5 gigapixel? Yeah. I want to say. That's a lot of pixels. So if you really need super high, like this is, you know, you're trying to make a really awesome screenshot for like your background. Yeah. And actually, unless you're on like. Apparently there are people that get paid to do this. It was, that was news to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For like when games, they like sell for game them, advertisements. They sell back to the game developers. Like here you can use these for marketing. They're professional photographers they just are in the game. In a virtual space. Yeah. Which is, hey. Yeah, in between taking po- photo shoots for restaurants of the burger that you will never be served. That's right. true. They also do this. Screenshots of games you will never play yep. because they yep. look way better. <laughs> and they can save them in uh, their equivalent of a raw format. Like right. Just a straight, you know, basically just RGB. Yep. You know, like just. Um, yeah, it, it looks really impressive. Um, like I said, it's it's called Nvidia's. It's called Nvidia Ansel. A n s a n s e l. Like Ansel Adams. Yes, yep. there you go. The Correct. photographer. That's where they got it. Yep. So yep. Uh, that is Ansel. Check that up. That that write up by Scott. Uh, it's it's really cool stuff. I I haven't gotten a chance to actually use it yet. So hopefully hopefully I'll have that capability soon. All right, Josh. Me. In uh, our non GPU story of the day, um, tell me. So you went to Austin recently. Got to see. You know, on. I forgot all about it. Yeah, yeah. I had a lot of food. I, I had some beers. Somebody hit me over the head when I was going to Sixth Street. I, I don't remember a damn thing. You woke up with a scar in your abdomen. Yeah. <sighs> no, unfortunately, no. Let's not get into it. So tell me about uh, what Arn okay. talked about. So yeah, they the, they had the us down to Austin last week, and uh, we got to see what they're they're planning and, and what's coming up. And the first thing we could talk about is this 10 nanometer test chip. Now, we've talked about process pretty much ad nauseum for the past six months. <laughs> uh, TSMC, and, uh, you know, they, they've done well, obviously, with their 16 nanometer FinFET Plus 
node, which uh, NVIDIA has taken well advantage of. And uh, they are moving down to what they call a 10 nanometer FinFET process. Now, a few things. A lot of the naming conventions for these process nodes are pretty much marketing driven. So, for example, 16 nanometer FinFET from TSMC was not as small as 14 nanometer FinFET from Global Foundries and Samsung, but their 14 nanometer process was still bigger yet than Intel's 14 nanometer process. Mm. And then we look at some of the geometries of Intel's 14 nanometer process, and they don't make sense when you're looking at kind of the traditional measurements of, you know, gate length and height and, and, and the minimum features that these processes produce when, when you start, you know, drawing out transistors. And so we don't know exactly where 10 nanometers is going to be. All that we know is that it is more advanced than 16 nanometer. It's going to be smaller. It uses triple patterning lithography. So instead of, I think we've been doing double for uh, uh, 14 and 16 nanometer uh, for like 28 nanometers, single patterning. But essentially, it's a way to do this, what, 193 nanometer light source that we've been using ages to get uh, really good focus on the silicon wafers to be able to etch, well, to do photolithography on these wafers so that they can then etch away and build these transistors. It's a complex it process. And it's, yeah, we could talk about this for a long time. But essentially, it's going to be smaller in the geometries than 16 because 16 had essentially 20 nanometer back end or, or the metal layers that they deposited was kind of recycled from their 20 nanometer. But their litho and etch are kind of a brand new 16 nanometer FinFET. 10 nanometers going to be better still. They're they're using the triple patterning. Uh, it's it, it looks like it's it's a new metal layer, and so ARM uh, produced what was a test chip based on an upcoming architecture that they are codenaming Artemis. Um, we will find out more about this later, but it's a quad core, 64 bit ARM chip that they have then put onto a test chip that also has a single core Molly GPU graphics portion. Oh, so and cute. Then, what? So cute. I know. It's just one one of the cores. And then it's surrounded by all of the other IP that makes it run. IO, it's got an async uh um transfer block that kind of acts as a uh as a memory controller right. for the GPU and CPU, uh, it's got an X amount of SRAM, which you can you can see that SRAM there. So they could probably boot it up. They can do testing on, and they can make sure that everything works as it's supposed to, and be able to change their designs to be able to be more optimal for this 10 nanometer process. Now TSMC is promising. 10 nanometers for the second half of 2016. And I would guess that that's risk production in probably Q4 of this year. Hmm. 
with uh, products actually coming out in 2017 and them actually ramping up production of 10 nanometer in 2017 itself. Now, something you've got to realize about this process, just as it has taken a while for 16 nanometer FinFET, original FinFET, not FinFET Plus, it's been out for a while. Uh, Samsung's 14 nanometer FinFET, and I mean, now they're working on FinFET Plus, but these are products that are a little bit more size optimized, a little bit more power optimized, but there are limitations to what you can do. So do not expect NVIDIA and AMD to be jumping on this 10 nanometer thing because it may not work very well for GPUs and they will actually have better overall performance at a 16 nanometer for the uh, the markets that they are addressing. So it uh, they taped this out in December. They sent it to TSMC. They're expecting wafers back any day now uh, with this chip and they'll see how well it works, what works, what doesn't work, uh, what they can improve upon. But, uh, you know, it's 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 a more aggressive stance that ARM is taking, uh, especially with the mobile market just kind of being the only thing that is continually growing, even though it's apparently not growing a huge amount. But, right. you know, their partners want lower power products that can still push high performance. And when we kind of look at, at some of their metrics of this, uh, it's what, about a, a 12% improvement in clock speed and performance at the same power, but you're looking at like a 30% decrease in power if, if, if you're running at the same performance as the previous A72 on 16 nanometers. So there are improvements there, textural. Some of these are process, but we've got to realize that 10 nanometers is still very, very, very raw. They're they're working together. They're working hard to to optimize this, get it a better run, you know, a, a more consistent process node. And oh, uh, my guess is is that geometries tells 14 nanometer products. Uh, it's still going to be a nice improvement from 16 nanometer and kind of um, leading the way towards better and better products in the future. So as I've my bandwidth is totally under hell and I'm probably stuttering like nobody's business. Yep. 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 Well the best part was when you went out of sync with your lips. Yeah. That, <laughs> that, was, that was amazing. Sweet. You were kung fu moving yourself. I hope ten nanometer fixes internet latency. Yeah. Personally. That would be really nice. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Hmm. Why are y'all dark up? But anyway. Yeah, well, is well, so that's that's what's reading. It's not recording what? though. Wait, really? Shouldn't be overheating. It's like super cool in here. Is a light on on the side of it? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's weird. Okay, well, I don't have to tell you. Uh, it's not possible. So you got to stare at my ugly. Yep, we're gonna stare at Josh the entire time. Oh shoot. Okay, well let's stare at Josh while uh, we talk about something else. And switch to the laptop. Uh, yeah, switch to the oh, laptop. There's nothing else here. to talk about. Um. So. Hot on the heels of the GeForce GTX 1080 release is a full release of specifications of the GTX 1070, you know, officially by NVIDIA on NVIDIA's website. Um, so we knew generalized about what this was, uh, but now we know the CUDA core count, 1920. We know the base clock, 1506. We know the boost clock, 1683. 
Uh, we knew 8 gigs of memory at 8 gigabits per second. So this is interesting because it's GDDR5, not 5X. Oh, X. Right. At 8 gigabits per second. So that's the highest uh, out-of-the-box uh, G5 memory we've seen. Still 256 memory, 256-bit memory bus uh, rated at 256 gigabytes per second. Now, the MSRP of this is 379 with that Founders Edition stuff uh, equating to 449 for the GTX uh, 1070. So if you start to look at that, I, I assume we can start to estimate uh, performance levels already. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, that's a, that's a fairly significant drop in core count from uh, the 1080 to the 1070. 2560 to 1920. What was the uh, drop from, like, 980 to 970? Do we know that offhand? Is it similar? Uh, it was 2048 to 1792. So this is a more significant drop huh. uh, by a little bit. How much memory does it have? Has eight gigabytes of memory. Is all that fast? Doesn't have uh, six. Uh, or I would 6. assume 5. so. I would assume so. Still got the same memory size as the 980 or as the 1080. So anyone what? find? I'm gonna put on my conspiracy hat. Yeah, it okay. has 1920 by 1070. Huh. 1920 by 1070. That has 1920 yep. cores. Yeah. 1070. Yeah. 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 No. Is there a 1070 number somewhere in the hidden nope. in the thing? 1920 by 1080 is a common resolution it for is. desktop monitors. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is 1920 and 1070. Yeah. Kind of weird how that worked out. Oh, well, uh, it's five pixels on either side of the screen. Come on. Uh, Josh, anything else stand out about the the specs released? Yeah, mind? we we don't know if it's got the goofiness of the uh, 3.5 gig or gigabyte, uh, 500 megabyte, uh, uh, you know, memory there's, bus. There's no way it does. They, what? There's no way oh, it no, does, and they would DDR3. lie about it. Yeah, I would imagine they would not <laughs> let that happen again. They would probably, probably do. Probably not. Whatever they needed to do. Way too far along in the design stage to change it, it but yeah. then they'd be foolish not to mention it. That's true. <laughs> so we'll see. Because someone um, will find out. Yeah, I mean, we're expecting a 980 Ti type performance out of this, but at half the cost if you get the non-Founders edition. Um, same cooling, essentially. Uh, we don't know. Uh, we know it's got a 8-pin PCI Express power um, connection, but we don't know only to the board if, if they've removed phases or done different things there. Because uh, it's a 150-watt TDP card. And, uh, you know, if you've got an 8-pin in there and it's running full speed, that's 25 watts being delivered. So you've got some headroom, but we don't know what they've done with the power phase and internally. Uh, otherwise, it looks like a really interesting card. Uh, running this in SLI would be kind of interesting just because, you know, they've doubled the bandwidth and and uh, done some other little tricks to mm-hmm. make it better. Suppose. But, you know, of course, with the X12 and, and other uh, kind of specialized titles that are not always SLI or multi-GPU friendly, your mileage is going to marry. Very. There you go. Uh, in continued coverage of GPU World 2016 uh, PC Perspective Edition, Tim has a very interesting post up uh, about Polaris detail. So now let's 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 get away from the Nvidia side of things and talk about what AMD is going to have yep. uh, later this month. I believe we talked about the potential there was a rumor that went around for about a day uh, that AMD had all kinds of problems with Polaris uh, 10. 10's the big one, right Josh? 10. Yes. Yeah. Polaris 10 and that they weren't able to get the clock speeds they needed so they're actually going to delay uh, the launch from June to October because they needed to do another spin or something something something. Um 
And then that it was also kind of associated with the rumor of they were going to bring Vega 10 up from like 2017 to October. And you just don't do that. Like six months. Like six months. No, no. We're just, unless you're just sitting on them in a warehouse. Yeah. We'll just, uh, we'll just produce those six months earlier. Don't worry. Yeah. We'll suddenly spin silicon uh, uh, early, early there. But uh, apparently some, some other stuff has come out. Tech power up revealed two lines of, uh, of this, uh, of this stuff here. So if you look at the Polaris 10, they're talking about 2048, uh, GPU cores, shader cores, compared to well, you can see Tim did a good job here of having the R9 390X, 390, and 380 kind of in the lineup. Um, so 2048 cores would put it between the 390 and the 380, uh, but the clock speeds are are significantly higher as you would kind of expect in this move. To uh, they're on the 14 nanometer process, right, Josh? Yes. Yeah, 1343 megahertz. Uh, eight gigs of memory running at seven uh, seven gigahertz, two hundred fifty six bit memory bus, two hundred twenty five two hundred twenty four gigabytes per second, one hundred fifty watts or less power, uh, and five point five teraflops. So it's it's putting the compute capability above the Radeon R nine three ninety, though it is has twenty five percent less stream processors huh. than the R nine three ninety. So that would be that would be impressive. And again, it's a combination of your clock speed, and I'm imagining there's some architectural improvements uh, involved in this as well so um i just really hope that raja really needs a drink and forces him to come out on time that's right because remember in his interview with me at the capsaicin event capsaicin event right uh that he promised he was that 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 launch event he had some beers but he wasn't going to drink again until they released product okay that's what he said I need to check in with him and see if he actually lived up to the promise yeah, thus yeah. far. Well, if he's a raging alcoholic, he's, he's going to be whipping <laughs> those people into a frenzy. Exactly. This is what we want to see. Could you imagine how much, how many articles I could get out of Josh if I said, sorry, Josh, you can't have any more beer until you finish this review. I think he might cease to function. That's true. <laughs> I believe beer is the fuel for Josh's articles. The idea that the R9 400 series, whatever you call it, Polaris 10 part, is going to be 150 watts or less but faster than the R9 390 that was a 275-watt part is, is impressive. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, as long as the price is good, you know, right now you can get an R9 390 for 320 bucks or so. Right? So um, they're going to have to compete with themselves in that regard. Yeah. But uh, performance efficiency looks to be pretty impressive. And then uh, Tim also has good, a good amount of information about Polaris 11, which is the smaller one, which would be like an R7 part. Um, that apparently is a 50 watt TDP GPU compared to a 110 watt R7 370 um, that has 896 CUDA core or CUDA cores, 896 stream processors instead of 1024, but it's running at 1395 megahertz as opposed to 925, and thus it's you know 25 percent faster than the R7 370 um, huh. with half the memory bus interface. Uh, based on the rumors as well, but again, less than half of the power consumption, as well. So and hopefully a con- uh, a very similar MSRP. Yeah, because that makes it very attractive. Yeah, it absolutely would. I- it's it's interesting to look at these two results, right? If you look at what the R nine, what the Polaris ten GPU is rumored to be, five point five teraflops, that's still less than the six and a half of the GTX ten seventy. Um. Right, so five and a half is less than six and a half. The, yeah. the what's interesting is like these are very different families of parts that are coming out. It's true, and they're not 
competitive with each other. They won't be competitive in performance probably, and they won't be competitive in price. Um, and so which one is more valuable to each company's bottom line? Which one is more valuable in the, in the short term or the long term to kind of increasing market share or um, stepping on the other guy's throat if you're NVIDIA or, or gaining some of that back uh, if you're AMD? It'll be really interesting. Like the, the price point of Polaris 10 looks more attractive. It will be a more popular price point for mass sales. Yeah. Um, but in terms of an excitement point of view, NVIDIA has it with the GTX 1080 in terms of just look how fast we are. AMD's story, if they look at this, will be look how fast we are at this wattage at this price. You know, it's still a very compelling story. It's just a little bit more complex to describe and to tell. I mean, Ken would be excited. Yeah. This because, you know, his, his MacBook Pro has this uh, 35 watt uh, TDP AMD graphics in there and kicks the snot out of everything else in, in, in that form factor. So yeah. he'd be happy yeah. and pay money to Apple. Which he does on a yearly basis. Occasionally. Okay. <laughs> so a, uh, a good write-up by Tim there uh, on all the most recent rumors about Polaris 10 and 11. Good job on that. Uh, and then in positive AMD news, a little bit of a spin on this one, um, AMD gained market share last quarter. What? In both uh, desktop and notebook discrete GPU markets. Uh, according okay. to Mercury Research... Um, even though the discrete GPU market dropped by 10.2% from Q4 2015 to Q1 2016, which is bad news for everybody involved, um, AMD slightly increased. So if you look at uh, this table here, the in the desktop discrete, they are a 22.7% market share with a 1.8% increase this quarter. Um, if you look at the mobile side, they actually gained over 7 points of market share in notebooks, which I would absolutely admit surprises the crap out of me because I don't know. Uh, it counts their APUs as well. Uh, no, I don't think it does. Does it? Uh, I believe all of this does. Yeah. Uh, I thought there was only discrete so it, solutions included in this. I can, I'll double check. Uh, did he break it down was. that far? Um, oh, no, he did break it down that far. Take it back. Notebook solutions, graphics. both mobile and desktop. Yeah, it's, it's discrete. And, and so that... That confuses me because I don't know who the hell. Yeah, compared to the products we see, who, I've never a- been. Asked, Apple like, only ships AMD mobile. It, Apple, Apple only ships, ships AMD GPUs uh, okay. anymore. Yeah. They finally faced out Nvidia. You're right. You're right. That's probably a big part of it then. Yeah, I mean, I 5K IMAX. Yeah. yeah. 15 inch MacBook Pros. Yeah, IMAX wouldn't count for mobile. Yeah, they would. IMAX? They're mobile parts. Uh. But yeah, it's not a mobile I don't know if it's not a mobile product. I think it's the product form factor oh. that decides. Well, hey, you know what? If AMD says this is a mobile silly. part and somebody puts that into a desktop, it's still a mobile part yeah, from AMD. Mobile sale. Right, but it, that doesn't necessarily t- the, doesn't determine it. what the research entity yeah, yeah. calls it. What they're assuming is a. Right. Uh, yeah. If I were because them, they I get would all their information from AMD and NVIDIA. A lot of it. Yeah, how many trays no of this M mobile part hey, we did you shipped sell? out this mobile GPU. Who cares if they put it in a form factor that was more care. of a desktop? I think they do care. About it. Uh, either way, yeah. it's good news for AMD. A small gain on the desktop side, a bigger gain on the mobile side. Um, I mean, NVIDIA is still clearly the dominant force here, 77%. I, I would be honest, they, the information that AMD sent out obviously only listed the market shares for AMD, not the market shares for NVIDIA. But yes. math, so we just assumed. My math of 
uh, of a hundred percent minus twenty two point seven percent is like seventy seven point three about. Yeah, um, economics doesn't work that way though. But I took I took away the point three because it's like I don't know. S three Matrox like they make. There's yeah, they're, they're still Matrox is still big overseas. Yeah, so and by I, big I mean like point one percent. So I'm just kind of coming up with a, a about 75% or higher market share for NVIDIA on the desktop side. So NVIDIA still, like, they're not in, at risk of losing their leadership position by any means. Um, but the fact that AMD was able to gain last year is a, is, a, is a good sign. Or, I'm sorry, gain last quarter is a good sign. So hopefully for them, that improves as uh, we start to see players 10 and 11 probably hit us next month. So. I don't want to hit me. It's going to hit you Aww. right in the face. Right in the face. Right in the face. I don't know why I said it like that. To the face. Right. Hardware picks of the week. Hardware software picks of the week, I guess I should say, because my pick is software. Yep. I'm going to recommend everybody go buy Doom. Uh, it looked, looked pretty fun. I was watching over your shoulder. I finally got to play it today. Like I, the WAD file? I should go buy the yep. WAD file? I installed all 52 <laughs> gigs of the WAD file. Uh-huh. Um, and it is, it is fun. It's fast. It it is quick, like to get you um, into the game, into the game and moving. Like you yeah. are very quickly shooting uh, demonic creatures in the face, yep. right? And you're very quickly breaking their arms and ripping their jaws off, and all those types of things that you uh, are doing in the game. And it's fun. I have been very surprised about the um, kind of universal, almost uh, not approval, but like praise for the game from like the gaming community right you listen to giant bombcast read their reviews talk about all that stuff everybody is very um very happy about how this turned out um and and it seems to have impressed just about everybody it looks really good it runs really fast uh it is OpenGL based interestingly enough though they do Vulcan have that Vulcan version coming out soon um but it was super fun to play like i, I played it for maybe an hour and a half today Definitely worth it, um, although, you know, and, go through some more. And even if you're a console peasant, apparently it still runs at 60 frames per second, looks really good on the consoles. It still apparently looks really good on the consoles, but if you go to, uh, you know, buy it on the PC, you, you should absolutely do that. Um, I'll put a link. If you're going to buy it, you can buy it through buy a Steam code through Amazon and give us, you know, some oh, credit for And that. I think you get, like, 20% off, don't you, on new games on Amazon? I think that's only on console games. I don't think that's for well, games it's, or for physical it, copies. It's, it's, it says try Prime Free and get additional savings on this item, and you have PC selected. So that might be if you wait. I can starting, save more than eleven cents. That might be a deal you get if you're starting Prime. No, no. plus products sold. Yeah, so you get twenty percent off if you buy it on Amazon. Yeah, you're right. Hmm. I, do, I do remember seeing that. I wonder if that applies. Does not apply to the on uh, the online game code. But does it look like? Do they even have a box copy? Is yeah, the box copy just a Steam okay, code? Yeah. It may they may just send a Steam code in the box. I can't imagine they'll send, they're sending DVDs out still, right? What are we? Blu-ray. You know how many for? DVDs that would be? Or yeah, Blu-ray. That'd be lo- think, think it's a Blu-ray? No, no, I don't no. think it is. There would have to be like that would be like in the minimum specs. Then if it were like you would have to have a Blu-ray drive. I'm sure it's just a Steam key. Yeah, it's just view larger. Welcome to hell. It's probably a Steam key in a like in a box. CD case sized box. Or it's got a 64 gig. Uh, so here's I'm here's the answer. SD card. Yeah, 
That would be handy. It's going to take you three days to load that SD card to your computer. What but... is it? Disk version requires Steam. Also, it only comes with one disk, which is about 7 gigs. So you still have to download a large chunk of data over 35 gigs. Oh, so it is actually oh, really some stupid. of the content. So I wonder what uh, 7 gigs bizarre. is. Some of the game content. It's yeah. really, really stupid. It is. <laughs> I'm sure once you put the Steam key in, you probably don't have to use the disk like, after that. Oh, I would hope right? not. That would really suck. Well, maybe it's 7 gigs of DRM it's installing. Yeah. Yeah. I can confirm there's a Steam activation for Doom. Purchase the box version. Okay. So yeah, if you buy the box version, you can get twenty percent off. You have to wait for it to show up. But it's but it's Amazon shipping. It's Amazon shipping, so it'll be fast. You can get twenty percent off, and if you do that through our link, then hey, buy, buy it now. I'm gonna do that. Then right you'll now. have it. You'll have it for Friday. You'll have it for the weekend. Yep. Yep. Sell yeah, it on I'm, the weekend. I'm, I'm doing that right now. He's gonna do it right kill, now. Kill some trees. <laughs> doing it right now. Kill some trees to get your digital goods is what I say. Right now. That's that's the story of uh, of. PlayStation Shouldn't 4. Uh, I don't want PlayStation 4. Who's up next? Jeremy, what do you got? Oh, very little, but there was a hell of a neat news story out. Uh, we've been talking about new types of RAM that have been, been developed for the last four or five years and are starting to approach the part where they're marketable. So phase change memory where you've got crystals, which are either amorphous or crystalline, year one or year zero, have been worked on for a long time. Uh, they've been put out in some demos, but the, there, there's one big problem, which is that it, it's literally one bit per cell. That sucks. Ah, it's SLC. Yeah, SLC. IBM figured out how to do three bits per cell. So tripling the, the, the uh, storage density of this, which makes it much smaller, makes it much easier to do, and from what they're talking about, it's also uh, a, a little bit more stable than some of the PCMs we've seen previously from uh, Dell and uh, HP, I believe, was the other guys that were working on this at a, on a very big level. So phase change memory, a brand new way, not like beyond HBM, uh, although there's no reason you couldn't make HBM out of phase change memory. Uh, this is a huge step forward, and IBM doesn't just sort of release something to say, oh, well, you know, we kind of think we figured that they, they figured it out. It's going to come out, and who knows? A uh, Power 9 guy might be just going insane right now because it could be paired with their new chips, too. Nice. But, yeah, it looks neat. Very cool. Uh, Josh. <sighs> so... An enterprise thing. Uh, you want to know where your traffic's going and what people are looking at? I do. I want to know where your traffic NG. is going. What? I want to know where your traffic is going. <laughs> exactly. Ntop NG, next generation Ntop. Web-based traffic analysis and flow collection. So anyway, I use that as a work. It's nice. Ooh, bootstrap. Well, and it tells you where everything is going. Lots of different uh, things to look at. What secrets did you find out about people when you started using this, Josh? You don't want to know. Beep, 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 beep. No, probably don't. Look at this guy. Beep, 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 beep. people. So what would I use this for? What, like, I don't need to do Spying on Alan's traffic. Oh, exactly. Okay, yeah. You want to know he's on the Doritos website? He's checking out the latest McDonald's menu. Yeah, you can find these things out. He doesn't need to look up the menu of McDonald's. No, I got that. Nuts. I got that crap memorized, yo. They actually call him before they make any changes so that he can mm-hmm. improve. Big Mac with a quarter pounders, cheese, fish, <laughs> hamburger, cheeseburger, happy meal, McDonald's, tasty golden fortress, cereal. Now I came in. I don't know. Do you remember the menu song? 
two all beef paddle smith. No, that's a different salsa, menu song. There was a different other one. There was a different menu song that came on a forty five record. You would get And you bought it, didn't you? No, you didn't have to buy it. Like they were throwing it in with your happy meal. You didn't have to buy it. Do you remember the the records that came with Mad Magazine? No. I do. I remember reading Mad Magazine a lot. Yep. But I don't remember getting. They records still print there. Mad Magazine. I, do they still? Yeah, yeah I got a bus not too long ago. All right, uh, Alan, you're up now. All right, Josh will appreciate this right here. See this? Watch. I, I see. Is that a new the camera? Watch. Wait, 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 wait. Look at the size. I think you're compensating. No, no, no. Now, oh. now I'm compensating. Oh. For, so, for audio listeners, so this did not yeah, just... I just I just erected my camera lens um, for Josh. So this is a uh, one inch sensor Sony, kind of like uh, not interchangeable lens camera, but looks kind of like an SLR with a lens on it. You just can't take the lens off. Well, I mean, not every camera can support a lens that long. That's uh, true. That's true. Uh, not that you really need to take this lens off because this lens is f two point four to four. And 24 to 600 millimeter, which is pretty dang good for okay. a lens. What's okay. the name of this camera? Uh, this is the Sony RX10 Mark III. Um, so, pretty good camera. Really good, in my opinion, lens uh, on it. It's Zeiss glass in the lens, so it's like you really don't have much of a reason to need to change the thing. And it does the other features that like the RX10 Mark II used to do, or well, it still does it, but RX10 Mark II did this like really high frame rate video, can shoot at like 960 frames per second, and you know other pretty cool stuff. And this does that at 600 millimeter, so you know you can shoot cool stuff like uh, like birds taking off across your yard. Birds, birds, bird birds, is, birds is the bird. Um, yeah, pretty cool. I've had it for a couple weeks, been toying around with it. It is. Uh, this is a replacement get, for your selection of the RX-10 my, my Mark II. RX-10 Mark II. That when you bought, uh, Ken and I nine, said... Nine podcasts should, ago. You bought, and we said, you should probably wait. Like, it's, we're coming up on the cycle. And you're like, no, nah, it's been a while. I remember at CSIS, and there wasn't one coming. And we're like, okay, you should probably wait. And like, That's so I true. think it was exactly 28 days later. It is true. Hey, you know, they, I've got a motherboard I can trade you for that other one. <laughs> uh, it's already returned, actually. Since they came out with the new one so quickly after... Uh, I purchased the previous one. I was able to just return the other one. I was within so the why window. Are you returning this camera? Well, because your other one is much more well endowed. Yeah, your other one's much better. <laughs> a bear. How much is this camera? You're not giving me any details about it other than you're giving uh, me the specs and you're showing me how big it is. I think was. it's like fourteen hundred. All right. It's is up that there. The same price as the last no, generation. No, it's, it's a couple hundred more. And are they keeping both concurrently? Yeah, yeah. Is the, that Mark, the, difference? the Mark II and the Mark III, they're keeping concurrently because if you're if you only need to go up to 200 millimeter and no further, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. you'll get that at a fixed 2.8 f-stop okay. on on the Mark okay. II, right? And this one kind of tapers off, like it tapers off towards f4 pretty quick, like it's a Above little bit that. a little bit no a little bit over 100 millimeter on this one. Yeah. So the it's performance already, at 200 millimeters is worse on this camera. Yeah. Oh, okay. On the yeah, new see, one yeah, than the yeah. older one. But you get, you know, three times the, the, the trade-off the, is you get three the times the reach. Range. If yeah. only what's, they just made the it up go up to about 600. What's the minimum? It's for, f4. It's f4 up there too. Yeah, yeah. 
If only they made it so like you could pick the lens that you wanted instead of having to buy a different camera. Well, honestly, yeah. you, this pick the like lens for the situation. Groundbreaking here's, in the photo industry, Ken. Here's the thing: they have like a they have like a cutaway diagram for this model, especially, and like you couldn't make this an interchangeable lens because there is a floating like section of elements in this that is actually within the body of the camera. And the the sleeve of the zooming element. Yeah, but Alan, you, you would have a two hundred to six hundred instead of an eighteen to six hundred. Oh, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> and then you'd have an eighteen to two hundred. But I don't yeah, have to change. Nice. Yeah, to change but there are trade offs. Yeah, yeah. There's but like, a reason they still make interchangeable cameras. <laughs> oh, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. It's just that you you have like you know more flexibility with your lens if you have like this lens. If it was interchangeable, would be like another three inches away from the the body of this because the sleeve oh, absolutely. the sleeve itself that expands out it like collapses like a half an inch from the back of the camera mm. when it's collapsed right gotcha. so yeah pretty cool is that it works well that's All it right. uh it's time for our patreon update uh here as i look through the updates on my phone let's see uh anthony pledged four dollars full to dream pledge four dollars we mentioned that already christopher uh bondiak pledged 1080 Get it? Pledge yeah, today yeah. in celebration. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 We Went for the high end. That's and nice. The low ends. <laughs> Free baser edited the pledge to nine dollars and ninety nine cents, <laughs> which Josh is nine ninety nine. There you go. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so I appreciate the ten eighty there. Uh, Michael Deporter edited his pledge to. I gotta click through thirteen fifty seven. Thirteen fifty seven. What's the? I don't know. I don't think we've said that number anywhere during the. Well, it's it's like uh, three fifty seven Magnum one three fifty seven one three fifty seven. But yeah. thank you very much. Uh, that's a bug smasher in the chat, I believe, uh, who uh, takes care of us at QuakeCon every year. And Lawrence uh, pledged three dollars as a new uh, a new pledge. So we thank all of you for uh, adding or or subscribing to us or pledging for, to us. Uh, this week, we really appreciate it. I hope the 400th episode was as riveting as the first, um, maybe more so slightly, I guess, than the than the first episode. Well, right, you actually we're know what you're talking about by now. You had like three and a half more times more guests. Josh's internet is actually worse today than it was when we recorded podcast number 40. I bet. Sebastian's phone internet is I, better yeah, than we'll Josh's. Better. Out. We'll use those 10 nanometer uh, test chips to figure out Josh's. Yeah, internet. we'll get it. We'll get it. We'll get it, Josh. Don't you worry. Uh, again, quick reminder, pcpro.com slash podcast is where you can find all the information about the episodes, uh, the back episodes, subscription methods, uh, the videos, the audio files, uh, all that type of stuff, YouTube channel as well. Uh, and uh, I think that's it. We thank everybody for joining us this week. We'll be back for another one later. I'm Ryan Schrout. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm Alan Malmontano. Bye. If you enjoyed this content, consider supporting in-depth technical content by contributing at patreon.com slash pcper.